Welcome back to another episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Joey. Hey. Tom. Hey, Ross. And Mike. Hello. And from our different volume levels and tones, you can tell we're still digital recording uh, via Zoom. And to just jump right in, we were having uh, a great discussion last week and something that came up was the idea of um, how how this kind of new educational system that we're all faced with, with distance learning and um, parents, uh, caregivers stepping in the role of educators uh, at home, you know, how is this going to kind of shift our kind of educational paradigm and what, um, what does this mean for how we view or see education? Um, we've been kind of talking a bit off, uh, off mic a little bit. And so hopefully we can kind of jump back into some of those uh, conversations, but I think, yeah, the, the thought or the questions that I have is, you know, kind of like we brought up in the other episode, like, what do, what, what do you do now that this is really kind of changed? Like, what do we totally change kind of how we look at education, how we see our roles as teachers, how we see our schedules of the day? Um, and I think it's maybe important to keep in mind, like, I don't think teaching or learning has fundamentally changed. Right. But education has. The... And we're in the process. I mean, this is like, we're like in the middle of every, all these things changing. Mm -hmm. So there's been people who've been doing some online things here and there. And of course, kids who have, you know, parents who are in the military or something have gotten used to Zoom as a way of doing things. But this idea of what does it mean for education Mm -hmm. is definitely, um, I don't know, it's really interesting. And the potential is really interesting to me. Well, and it's really Um, considering the age group we work with, the early childhood Mm -hmm. age group, how antithetical screen teaching (laughs) is to what we usually talk about and to try and fit that into the early childhood realm is, I don't know how how many ways we have to bend ourselves or. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just things that you can't do with, I mean, that, that happened in a, in a, in an early childhood classroom that a lot uh, of the social learning. Yes. A lot of the yeah. social learning. Thank you for, for yes. Understanding what I'm <laughs> social learning is different. It's not the same as family learning. Uh, the relationships yeah. are so different. So, um, yes, you know, that distance learning, I hadn't thought of it, but to me, why it bristles me is that the learning is happening right then and there with the person <laughs> who's learning. There's no distance right. involved. Um, there's a, a social connection that's distance. There's a social distancing happening. Like the learning you're doing as the teacher is happening and the learning the child is doing is happening. And there's a distance between the two of you, but the learning isn't distant. It's not yeah. like you're, cause it makes it sound like you're putting learning into them. Like they're the empty vessel that you're just. Yes. Yeah. A constructivist. Yeah, well, I, think and, and I, th- I think this this um, platform highlights you really don't know what they're learning. Children are always yeah. learning. They're <laughs> always learning. And what you think they might be learning is, is maybe not what they're learning. Right, right. That, I used to have my classroom when I had my own classroom. When you walked in the door, there was a quote, and I don't now remember who it was, but it was, children learn, children don't always learn what we intend for them to learn but they always learn more <laughs> than we intended. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like always happening. And, and yeah, sorry. It sounds like you're going to talk, Russ. No, I just, I, I think this is what has been rust, uh, kind of wrestling around in my brain. I don't even think it's a 
my, I think it's a full on WrestleMania event right now. Just like all the ideas and things that are kind of going on because I, I really feel like this is a, what an amazing time for our profession to speak up and say, see, this is what really, what, this is why early childhood is so valuable. This is why it's extremely hard to do this work because when you, the parent are asked to do this and then still have to work or you're trying to manage and Mm -hmm. you haven't, you know, you haven't had the training uh, and the education to figure out ways of appropriate social learning in early childhood. So I feel like there's a a part of this is like the advocacy for early childhood is really feels like it could for all teachers. I mean, every teacher I know is, is working very hard right now. Right. And that that was what I was going to say is it's not only for us, it's for, for all educators, but I think also that that's where that idea of like, how do we shift this to recognize how much time do teachers really need to get things set up? As you were saying, Joey, like for you to, prep you know your your groups for online your thinking is so different and it's because it's new and that yeah. i'm sure as we if this was to be how it would go forever and ever we would become more fluid with the planning however there's the the idea that this is what education really looks like feels like and as as you know mike was saying the idea that what we want children to learn at time you know the they don't we don't always know what they're getting out of it but that piece of learning is happening all the time and that now I hope it becomes more clear why, why these early years are so valuable. So how do we really kind of advocate for that? Well, yeah, and, and if I could pick up on the, the, the thing that's been tossing in my brain. You just said learning is happening all the time, um, which I, of course, agree with. But then it's sort of like, I think, I mean, I don't know if we will reflect on this or not. I don't know. We'll be so busy doing something next in our culture. I don't know. But um, to me, it keeps bubbling up. Well, so why do we have schools? So why do why do we have schools? What 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 what? Why do we have an education system? What do we want from our schools? What is this? What is our what is our hope as a society? Because you know, we didn't always have schools, as as a as a culture. Right. Um, so well, that's a very dangerous question. <laughs> I, I know it is it, because well, if learning's happening all the time, then then you don't need a school for learning. Well, especially so I, the play based so view, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so, one of the things we all have is that play-based view in it, yet we have to answer that question. And so, Tom's going to. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> yeah, I, I take I, it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it, it ends up to be more like we should be setting the table mm-hmm. for their agency. So um, we, do, we do really have a role, whether the children actually follow that provocation or that setup. But, um, that's what you can kind of gauge but then you keep trying and you keep setting it up. So learning has a certain guidance or a certain direction. It's not like a free for all, like let's just right. let them do what they do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you used that a few weeks ago before we were all in our own homes, that's setting the table and I really like it, but now it brings up other things. Cause I think the other thing is, I hadn't been thinking of it this way, but, you know, learning happens in social context, right? So going sort of the Vygotskyan view, I suppose, but like in the home, depending if the child is with a bunch of other siblings, a bunch of, you know, other people who aren't related, whatever it is, that's going to be a different experience than the kid who's playing on their own. I certainly think there's value in play, obviously, and it's going to look different in the home in different ways. 
And right now we have to help partner with the parents who aren't used to being the ones to set the table in the way you're talking. Right. And so they're uh, not. So I think some teachers are not, and some are, teachers are, aren't. Are, are not on board with that either because um, you know, <laughs> I've been reading a book and I can't tell you the name of it, but it talks about, um, Who's egocentric? Is it the teacher or is it the kid? Because the teacher wants things to happen in a certain way, um, in a certain sequence, and it's not happening that way. So then I take umbrage as the teacher. So is that that child egocentric or is the teacher egocentric? And I often think things that get labeled challenging behaviors really are because the person labeling it a challenging behavior is looking at it egotistically. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, is exactly. challenging because I want something different. Well, and I have a digital learning example. I have a, a friend who teaches elementary school and she was, she realized how she was posting her lessons wasn't, she's like, I'm not getting all the, the things turned in by my kids. And I, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. So she went back to look and she's like, Oh, I was, closing them at the end of the day or whatever, so they could move on to the next one. But then some of their things, you know, disappeared or something about the time sequence that they got to do work. And so she changed what she was doing. So in my opinion, she was not egocentric. She realized that what she was doing wasn't working for the kids who couldn't control their schedule, couldn't control when they had the internet access. You know, maybe they had to wait for their parent to get home from work before they could do their Mm -hmm. homework and she had closed it at five o'clock or whatever. And so, so you can, you know, like even in this goofy way of doing things, you can still be trying to figure what the kids need. And that's the thing, like technology, it's always that thing you have to keep in mind, right? The technology is designed by humans who try to think about what the intentions of the people using it are going to be and what, like how it would be the easiest to use. But sometimes there's the unintended, unintended consequences that, oh, that actually makes it impossible to turn in something five minutes later, which right. in real life right. you would just do. It wouldn't be a big deal. It's just a face-to-face conversation, but because there's this technological interface, yeah. you know, until you use it, you don't see where those things are. And not the one th- the thing that's going to work for young children isn't going to be the same as elementary school or high school or adult right. learners, you know, so. Yeah. So I didn't mean to divert, but I mean, to your point, Tom, that teachers, teachers should still be trying to see what their students need. But I want to go back because <laughs> why do we? What is our what is our goal yeah. of, of education? Um, and I don't mean that we're going to come up with an answer, but you know, so many things we do in an early childhood classroom are things that are similar to things that happen at home, right? Mm-hmm. We cook, you know, we we go out and you know do we like to have little projects and yard work and and things like that that we might do with the children. You know, we we, we play. Um, you know, it's. A lot of a lot of what we offer in our early childhood programs are available to children in the home. You don't have to go to school to get a lot of the experiences that that we provide. Oh, but I'll disagree a little bit here because, okay. um, uh, and, and I think it's going back to the Reggio philosophy. It's kind of a privilege to go to school because what happens in school. The social part is the, the, the feeding off of each other and the building of, of ideas together, which only, which, which happens in a, in a shared space, right? Yeah. So the Vygotsky again, the, the not having those peers is where kids are not having interactions with their social peers is where the, the loss is right now. Right. 
And that's, and that, and, that and I think what we would really love about our educational system is that we're giving children a chance to be in community with peers and building, building their knowledge and building their right. ideas and, and scaffolding each other and going higher and higher and higher with their, with their thinking. But then it does beg the question, right, that we still have this system where kids are kind of the same age as the other kids they're with. And is that the best system? You know, like, I, I don't think it is. And yet, you know, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I am not actively trying to change that in the world. <laughs> but it does beg the question, right? Like, wouldn't it be better for kids to be, you know, interacting socially with kids of all different ages? Oh, yes, and the I teachers agree. are setting the table <laughs> for those interactions. And it's a different thing. And part of it, it's hard because people might have been doing this for 40 years mm -hmm. with the expectation that kids are the same age and suddenly. So Mike, you mean more like a home setting where I can go yeah. along with my big sister down the block to go play right. because yeah. she's four years older than me and has enough sense to whatever, watch for cars or right. whatever the thing may yeah. be. So I'm going to have opportunities that yeah, there's things two to four year olds together you, you couldn't have. Right. Yeah. Or she can cut the thing. My, my yeah. hands aren't good enough to use the scissors, but right. that can happen. And yet I still think a teacher has the role, has a role in that. And, you know, I look at, like, I feel like I wouldn't want to go back to something like, oh, before there were schools, like the economic inequalities, again, like with Tom's idea, that idea of privilege, it's true. Like teachers, I think, and education can be a way of trying to make it something that all children can experience. But it also, in this paradigm shift does allow us to rethink, but does it have to be by age group? You know, do kids have right. to be isolated? Well, and you bring up a really good point, you know, uh, this conversation, we're walking a little bit on the edge of like, well, what harm is really being done by kids being home right now, right? They get to, mm -hmm. they're helping whatever, <laughs> bake all the cookies that everyone's making right now, or they're going on lots of extra walks and having recess whenever they want or whatever. We're kind of walking on the edge of saying, eh, it's not so bad for a lot of kids to be home right now. Do they really need school? But there's a lot of kids who they're not having enriching experiences. They're not in safe situations. They're not, you know, right. so, uh, you know, we haven't succeeded in making an education system that has equality, equal access to this privilege um, and being stuck at home highlights that, that, that unequal access. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I was just, there was an author I heard talk yesterday and I'm so bad with authors' names. She wrote a book about Not disasters. Not required in this podcast. You just say, yeah, I right. read something. Yeah, and I read something. But she was talking about lessons learned from disasters. And one of the things is that they don't, the disasters tend to magnify inequalities that were already there. Mm -hmm. So Hurricane Katrina showed the inequalities in the education system in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, this one is showing, well, for the family who has no technology or maybe one you know, tablet to share among five siblings, and they're all supposed to be homeschooling or ho uh, distance learning, whatever work, you know, it's just like, so it's kind of magnifying those things. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true with, yeah, kids can learn from play and things, but it's also the reflection on those experiences. And that's going to vary by who they're with. Mm -hmm. Well, not only reflecting on them, yeah. but having an, somebody who has more knowledge to pick up on those cues and to bring it a little farther or to mm -hmm. guide it a little further. I mean, yeah. I think that I, uh, at, I was at some point in my career, Joey, I did the same thing. I was questioning, well, why do we have school? And I'm, 
and I'm convinced now it's the social aspect of school mm-hmm. in the uh, coming together, exchanging ideas, becoming a community, making things better for everybody. So do you think that that's true? I, I don't disagree, Tom. I, I just, I just think it's a, I think it is a relevant question in terms of what is happening with education. I think probably around the world, right? Right now in response to this, this health crisis. But um, do you think that's true for moving forward, do you think the value of high school is social and the value of elementary school is, is social? Put you on the spot. Well, uh, oh, well, you put me on the spot, fine. <laughs> what, what I think is, it, once we reflect on this, we will see that the social aspect of school, is, which has not been uh, given much, I'll use the word privilege, but um, now- Attention. When, when people come together and, and they start to see what the possibilities are when kids are together again, um, I, hopefully it would change their minds about the social aspect mm-hmm. of school should be, should be brought forward mm-hmm. up, along with the academic. I couldn't agree more because I think that's what's missing right now. That's what every teacher's heart is breaking to just not actually mm-hmm. see their students. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. It, you know, you just see their picture come up on your computer screen and you're like, oh, there you are, you know, and it's, it's, um, yeah, I, yeah, I could, that, that's what people are actually missing and mourning right now, I think. It's, well, it's the, I mean, as, as we've talked about a number of times, humans are built to move. So being sedentary is not a great thing. The whole point, that being the title of the podcast, Teaching with the Body and <laughs> Mind, the body has to move to learn. However, we also know the countless studies that have been done with children who have uh, been grown up, uh, grown up in isolation, the effects of the lack of physical touch, the lack of emotional response and social upbringing. I mean, we, have, we, we know there's countless uh, research studies to back why social is so important. So we, this, is, this is the stopgap for right now to, to help us get through something that is very different. But I'm physical- hoping that's the lesson we learn, right? is it's the connection that right. everything else has to start from the connections that are made. Right. And that it's the, I think maybe it's even looking at, well, high school would be different than elementary school and definitely different than early childhood because we know the mind is in a different place developmentally. Mm-hmm. So if we want to start getting into more content and more academic learning, well, that's going to start to change as it kind of does. But now, I think more so this push forward of play-based social emotional being at the core foundations of early childhood elementary school and likely middle school, because there's such a physiological change where everyone is dealing with this weirdness that is your body and puberty and everything changing. Well, it's, if we were, again, if we had a really strong root in how to take care of one another and how to take care of ourselves, well, then the educational piece, we know that children are inherently driven to learn and discover and want to know more and more and more. But again, and, is it, yeah. Well, I, was say, I just wanted the, the, the thread that's there is that it does it. My, where the, the quick answer, Joey, is that for me, it's the school's important to be, or why do we have schools to be better people? Mm-hmm. It's not to be really good at taking tests. Yes. I think there's core knowledge that should definitely be shared and understood. However, how, how many of us adults would go back and be like, I don't remember 95% of the actual stuff I've learned in school, but what you do know and what that is the core foundation of you is how you interact in the world. 
and, and like just discover learning. Yeah, just thinking about the literacy piece, right? Because in preschool, there's often this push that this is the time to you know learn you know, like literacy. And the truth again, the reason kids want to talk to another kid is like, look what I built, mm-hmm. look what I made. Hey, watch me do this. It's a connection. And then the written word is a way to do that with people who aren't in the same room as you. Right. right. And maybe even people who are going to read it after you're gone or whatever. Right. Maybe and you're so, going to read about something that you weren't there for, but you're going to right. connect. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's the piece I'm hoping we get more of. The, I'm hoping we get less focus on being school ready and more focus on connecting with other people. What are the ways we connect with people and how do all these domains of learning that we talk about in child development, how do we do that so that we connect with others? Well, and hopefully we value the the social hub for our whole community at a school. Yes. I mean, so the parents have a place that they can come together and they have a a community of parents. There's their tap. I mean, for better or for worse, that's where you've tapped into a lot of um, mm-hmm. uh, services that you might need. Like right now, look, who is delivering food to children right now? Schools. I mean, yep. I don't quite know how that's come to be in our society, but that's where, the, that's where it's happening. That's what, that's what, that's what we've, that's what these, how, how much more important can you be in someone's life than to be a, you know, a source of, of nourishment and, and sustenance, you know, with, with food. But I mean, so yeah, I think that, that, that whole community hub thing that happens in a school mm-hmm also needs to be, to be valued. I mean, I, I think we figured it out. I think we, I, I really mm-hmm. do. I think, we, yeah. I think we well, know. The only, the, the only other footnote I want to add to our, to our amazing answer that we've already given is that really, <laughs> to me, again, it's the school is about helping children understand and discover the means or the process to acquire new knowledge rather than simply memorizing it. I, mm. I can't tell you who the second, the twenty-second president of the United States is right now. I would, I would get their trivia question wrong in who wants to be a millionaire, but I know I have the means to figure out how to acquire that knowledge. And so, but also to piggyback to that, it's exciting to learn new things about the, especially the things you're interested in. So, to me, not only to be a better person and to be able to be a someone who is a uh, thriving member of the community. But another reason why school is important is to, to really foster that love of lifelong learning that children that I, I argue that we're all born with. And I think maybe that was the, to go back to the very opening of the episode about the paradigm shift. I think we're really good. The current school system is really good at kind of turning that off. We're, we're not creating active learners. So, uh, we're creating passive memorizers and that's my soapbox and I'll stand and defend it all the way to whatever platform or whoever's going to respond to this. And episode. well, I will say that Ross, it's good that you mentioned Grover Cleveland, the 22nd <laughs> president, because <laughs> he looked as someone who grew up he in Buffalo, up. New York. He, yeah, I did. But he is, um, was the mayor of Buffalo, New York. And, um, so the, the interesting thing isn't that he was the 22nd president, but it is interesting some of the things that he did in terms of the rise of the Republican Party and what it meant to be Republican versus Democrat and conservatism and um, classical liberalism. I'm just looking at my notes here. But but those are the things that you would use. You can look up the the, the data. Right. But I could see having, like, I'm sure if I was talking to some relatives in New York, they're going to be like, in Buffalo, New York, they're going to be talking about 
at least the building that was named after her, him or something. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's more the connection that's important. And obviously there's some knowledge that has to be, you know, used, but it's only useful because it connects somehow. So maybe to wrap this up with a final thought that's in my brain right now, what do we look forward to most being adults? It's, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say, I'll, well, I'll answer for myself and I'll let each of you respond. Who here is more excited to take a test right now or go to a barbecue with the people you care about and tell stories and share jokes and things like that? I mean, to me, to me, I'll go to the barbecue. Yeah. 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 And then there's the social thing too of like, you know, some people want to be social, but you know, barbecue can be a little too social for. (laughs) Yeah. Choices that are test, Mike. Barbecue over test. Oh yeah. Test. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I'm at the barbecue still. <laughs> that I think there, there's very few. Of but us I usually hang grow. out at the grill, you know. With, <laughs> right. So the one person cooking and me, you know, it's, and they're trapped. They can't leave me. Like they have to listen. <laughs> so I can talk to them about Grover Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's just it. Like we we don't live for tests and uh, continued factual knowledge the way that we do through middle school, high school, and now elementary school. Mm-hmm. We live for the social piece to be able yeah. to connect. Now, wait a second. I think, I think we're tested all the time. It's just that we'll have to define what test means. That's yeah. an, I'm using test in the, the current standard, standardized, like standardized educational okay. test. Well, yep. I knew that, but you, you made me think that. No, that's a good uh, point. T- test well, is, I mean, that's, that's one of the ways I learn is when I get tested. Absolutely. Right? In and real life. And that's the lifelong learning piece that I hope we all will continue to okay. embrace. But on that note, uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, thank you for this uh, maybe very philosophical kind of discussion that I, I think we all uh, maybe needed to get out. I know I needed to get out. So thanks for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Russ. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn.